everybody, this is Dr. Ryan Berlin. You're listening to Align Your Health on 55KRC, the talk station. And uh, we just hope you're having a great Sunday morning, uh, enjoying your weekend. And uh, today we have an awesome topic. We're going to be talking about uh, this upcoming season. Yes, it's a wonderful season in front of us. But uh, I don't know if you guys have ever noticed, we go in this time of year and, uh, you know, we've talked just recently on the immune system and how, um, you know, we call this cold and flu season or uh, it's the holiday season or whatever. But really, there's one thing that this season um, has going for it that a lot of times I don't think we uh, acknowledge is that it's the season of indulgence. Yes, this is sugar season. Sugar season, that time from what, Halloween, we said all the way through like... Uh, Halloween through Valentine's, Valentine's Day, really. Day. Yeah, if so you yeah, think October, about it. October, November, December, January, February. And uh, really, we come out of that season, everybody is like ready for to get some sunlight, get, get their vitamin D going and feel healthy again. And uh, we're just here to talk about like setting up... Um, setting ourselves up for success through this time of the year, and then acknowledging also really what um, what the major you know problem is, and with all that exposure, especially like you said, to sugar. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, it's interesting if you look at some of the stats on. So we were talking about this before earlier, and and we were talking about how the overconsumption of sugar leads to. A, you know, a myriad of conditions really inside of our inside of our bodies. But, um, you know, most people would generally associate the overconsumption of sugar with um, diabetes. Right. I mean, it's even it, some people even call it the sugar. The sh- I got the sugar. I got the sugar. <laughs> right. So um, even just last year, the Center for Disease Control and Prevention reported that more than 100 million U.S. adults are now living with diabetes or pre-diabetes. Um, 100 million. That's yeah, astounding. So 30 million of those actually have diabetes and then the rest of 70 million are on their way to developing it. So they're considered um, pre-diabetic, actually 80, 84 million. So that means that those people have an average healthcare cost over their lifetime of an additional two hundred thousand plus dollars than somebody who doesn't have diabetes. So this isn't just a problem from um, you know October to February. This right. is something that once you develop this, it actually is going to stick with you unless you reverse it for you know lifelong. A few weeks back, we told a story about Jackie or that was the name we used anyway, um, a patient of mine who we were helping her through chiropractic care and, and then obviously coaching her through her nutrition and, and just helping her make some changes and move away from her medication. Her doctor was on board with it. Her medical doctor was excited that she was getting some coaching from somebody. And um, every time she came in, running her blood work, kept seeing things improve and improve and kept taking her off of medication. And the coolest thing was she was able to come off of um, – insulin for the first time in 20 years. And she was also taking metformin, which is a diabetic drug. She was able to come off that as well. And when we calculated the savings on the insulin, she was telling me that insulin was running her insurance company roughly a thousand a month. So 12,000 a year. She'd been on for 20 years. So that's like $250,000 of healthcare costs. Yeah. That's incredible. So um, being able to turn that around, imagine how much her premium should come down if, if you know, like, like they'll go up for sure when you get on diabetic medication because now, you know, you're, you're a, a larger cost to an insurance company, but they should go down. You should be rewarded for getting off those drugs too. 
Imagine if you're a small or a mid-sized business and you're self-insured and you got all of your employees under chiropractic care and yep. reduced all of those savings across the board. There's companies that are doing it. Yeah, so that's actually one of my favorite things to do is work with small companies, especially when they have between you know five to 20 employees and work out plans with them where their employees are able to come in, get checked, and then we do quarterly um, quarterly uh, uh, talks within the company and teaching them about nutrition and teaching them how to be exercising effectively, teaching them about their posture. And uh, the average company we work with, it's it's awesome. I mean, the 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 patients, uh, or sorry, the the um, employees are losing on average 10 to 15 pounds each, literally hundreds of pounds across the board, and we're able to work with these companies. So before we really dive into today and start talking about sugar, I just want to invite you, if you're listening right now and you know you want to set yourself up for success this um, holiday season, uh, if you're looking for help with the nutritional coaching, if you're looking for a doctor that's going to work with you, we're going to talk about the chiropractic portion like we always do a bit today. Um, if you're, if you're, you know, have a company that you think your employer, or if you are the employer and you'd like to establish that kind of relationship, reach out to us and give us a call at, uh, 513-755-3583. Um, Ashley, um, is who coordinates all the speaking engagements we do and all the, um, all of the lunch and learns and all the corporate wellness stuff. So that's just always an awesome, awesome thing to be doing with companies in the area. And we, we absolutely enjoy that and love it. Oh and my we, gosh, it's we've worked incredible. with Hauser Air. We've worked with um, lots of churches in the area. We've uh, worked with a lot of companies and, and done some awesome corporate wellness with them. Um, so let's get into it. Let's talk about sugar a little bit. I know we've talked about this in, in multiple podcasts that we've or multiple radio shows that we've done talking about sugar and touching on here and there. But today we're going to dive into it a little deeper. So sugar is referred to as the silent killer because overconsumption can lead to a myriad of diseases. You want to name off a couple of those? Oh my gosh! So weight gain really hits you first and foremost. That's one of the most, um, the biggest things that come to mind when we talk about overconsumption of sugar, but it also hits into heart disease and diabetes, cancer, depression. Um, and, and we go into low energy, fatty liver, skin and cellular aging. A lot of acne is con- uh, contributed to overconsumption of sugar. And then there's just chronic conditions like kidney disease, um, gout, and there's even dental health impacts, cognitive decline. I mean, we could literally, the list goes on and on and on and sugar is at the root. And that's why we kind of, sugar pops into a lot of the discussion that we have um, here, you know, when we do the show every week, because it is at the root of a lot of different things. We took some notes on some of these and I just, I think some of these studies are pretty interesting. So all of these come from the National Institutes of Health. Um, so you can search those on pubmed.org. Uh, But uh, weight gain, for instance, the main type of sugar found in starchy foods, which is fructose, has actually been shown to increase your hunger and your desire for food the more glucose and, and, and for more glucose in your system. So consuming foods with fructose actually increases your desire for more foods that contain sugar. I know. And it's really like when you think about it, it's we talk about merry-go-rounds a lot. We talk about medical merry-go-rounds, but food is also a merry-go-round that you can jump on and and you can get on this uh, cyclical thing that just keeps spinning and spinning and spinning and you eat more and then you want to grab one more and then you grab uh, another piece of cake and one more donut or whatever it is. And it's that glucose is just continually 
desire um, for more of it. Here's another one, excessive fruit, fructose, uh, same type of sugar that's found in starchy foods, right? You have a hormone called leptin, which regulates your hunger levels, tells you when to stop eating. Well, when you consume fructose, it actually causes resistance, meaning you aren't, like your body doesn't know when to stop eating. Um, and as if we needed a study for this, now there's um, a new study that came out that told us that sh- people who consume sugary drinks tend to weigh more than people who don't. <laughs> who <laughs> Who paid for that study? You did with how your much, tax dollars. Yeah, how much did that study cost and who paid for it? And why do we have to have that study? There's a lot of studies that we could just tell you what the end result would be. And I think we could all agree that we knew the we knew the answer to that one. Yeah, but you know, we get into heart disease. There's studies now from the National Institutes of Health saying that consuming sugar is actually leading to early atherosclerosis. And this is something we're actually seeing. If you go back to our heart disease radio show and podcast, which you can find those, um, the podcast, if you guys want to go back when we reference these shows, um, I, the reason I reference them is because we, we dove deep into some topics mm-hmm. and rather than just repeat ourselves, we want to steer you back towards those shows, but get on, um, get on the iTunes app, get on the podcast app and search online your health or go to drryanlive.com and, uh, click on podcasts and you can go back and listen to the previous episodes. But, um, heart disease, one of the things we talked about was that, Children now that we're seeing, um, you know, a hundred percent of children eighteen and under are showing signs of atherosclerosis before they're even eighteen, and we're seeing kids that are like under ten years old are already showing signs of atherosclerosis. So, um, cancer. We talked about that for three weeks and really beat that one up about how Otto Warburg talked about um, with the Nobel Prize that. The number one fuel source for a cancer cell is sugar, and that it's really hard for cancer to thrive in the body when there's not an excessive amount of sugar present, because right. that's literally what it's feeding off. And we prove that with using PET scans, because pet, PET scans are using what? Radioactive sugar to find the cancer cells, because the cancer cells actually will be like eating up all that sugar because they love it. And then we put you in front of you know, an x-ray unit, light you up, and all that, all that radioactive sugar lights up. And we can find exactly where the cancer is because it's what's consuming all that sugar. You know, I think it's interesting because when we, when we mention depression, um, you know, I think a lot of different people will talk about getting depressed, like depression over the holidays, right? Seasonal and affective disorder. Seasonal affective disorder. Yes, I love it. I love what you're saying here. And the interesting thing is, is that there's a group of UCLA scientists that found... Um, their research was showing that blood sugar swings and neurotransmitter dysregulation and inflammation might be some of the reason behind depression, that really sugar was leading to depression. And so this is, I mean, listen, like I'm, I'm going to walk you through this linearly, linearly, right? Yeah. But what we're saying is that out of UCLA, what they might actually be showing is that we're walking into the season where we're over consuming sugar, where, you know, it's party after dessert, after holiday, after treat. I mean, my kids at school, like coming home from school with just bags and bags and bags of candy and treats. And, and so to look at that and to know that there is this condition that's seasonal affective disorder. And that a lot of people struggle during the holidays with depression. And if you're somebody who, 
um, suffers with that, then I think that I'd really challenge you to take a look at at that of that research and really think about. So, do you really have seasonal affective disorder, or do you have a sugar affected delusion um, when right. it comes to this? Exactly. I mean, really, what you have is so you're going to a season where we're consuming more sugar than ever. And you know, there's less sunlight, there's less vitamin D. I get that. That yep. does absolutely play a role. In fact, one of the things we're going to talk about before the show's over is how if you've been consuming too much sugar, you need to be increasing your vitamin D because of the effects that the sugar has on the immune system. But I like where you're going, that we're really going into a season of overconsumption of sugar, which is leading us to depressive type right. mood. And if research can show that sugar can cause neurotransmitter dysregulation, um, that's that's a huge impact on your mental health and and that and that ties into listen if if you're worried about your mental health and and your doctor is telling you that there's no connection between your mental health between your mental health and the food that you consume um, here's some research right here out of UCLA that shows that that's that's not that's not the case. Well, if your doctor is telling you that, first of all, they're living in a cave because right. that's not what all the research is saying. I mean, we have friends like. Uh, Kelly Brogan, yep. Mind of Your Own. She has uh, her book shows all kinds of research on how important nutrition is when it comes to mood. Um, and then we have um, who's the other one you love, Ann Voskamp. I mean, I think she talks a bit about that as well. Um, so you know, here's the thing we hear often is like, oh, I don't eat that much sugar, or I, but I don't eat sugar. You know, and they're thinking like table sugar, like not putting it in your coffee and not putting it on things. So I think one of the things that we really need to talk about is where is it? How much is too much? And really, you know, how do we start taking account of this? So um, coming up with that, and uh, you guys are listening to Align Your Health on 55KRC, the talk station. Hey everybody, this is Dr. Ryan Berlin. You're listening to Align Your Health on 55KRC, the talk station. And we're talking about sugar. Uh, we just kind of broke down, you know, why it's such a problem. Went through some of the studies, um, you know, just talking about some of the some of the uh, fallout of it. Like when you're consuming too much of it, what happens to uh, organs? You know, heart disease. Uh, we just talked about cancer and some depression. But you know, I think one of the big questions, or I think one of the big things, is most people. I think we become kind of like. Uh, what's the word? I'm like desensitized to how much of it right. we're eating and we become unaware. And I, I think that we're to a point where we don't even realize how like how it's been added to every. So like we're going to go over that in a second talking about added sugar. But um, but I just think we're so unaware of how much we should be consuming. So let's talk about this. How much is too much? So men, how much are they supposed to be consuming? Nine teaspoons, which is 37.5 grams. So that's our goal is to be consuming under nine teaspoons or 37 grams a day. Right. And for women, that's six teaspoons or 25 grams. Oh, so we get to eat more than you guys. You you do get to have slightly more. Do you know why that is? (laughs) Teaspoons. No, I don't. We metabolize it faster typically because men have, not all men, but we tend to have on average about 20, 30% more body or muscle mass. So we get to consume a little bit more sugar because we metabolize it. And it gets stored as like some of it gets stored as glycogen in our muscles. And because we have a little bit more muscle mass, again, I'm not, not, not all of us, like some guys have some puny muscles out there. And <laughs> some ladies have big ones, but, 
um, but just, you know, generally on average, speaking, generally right, speaking. Yeah. Right, right, right. So what does that mean? That means um, 150 calories. So 150 of your daily caloric intake is all that should be sugar and no more than that for men and about 100 calories a day for women. So if you're on like a 2,000 or 2,500 you know, calorie a day diet, this is a very small portion of your entire um, t- entire daily intake, yeah, right? Daily intake. No, for some people, you might already be honed in, and you might say, "Oh wow!" Like I know exactly what nine teaspoons or thirty-seven point five grams or twenty-five grams for women or six teaspoons of sugar looks like. But I think for most people, um, that's really sounds like okay. Well, put that into context yeah. for me. I have no idea what that means. All right, so let's put this into context. You're uh, drinking a twelve-ounce can of Coke every day. You know, just one a day. I have one at lunch and. You know, I hear that a lot. Like, I don't drink a lot of pop. I, m- I might have just one a day, you right. know, at lunch <laughs> or something. And that's um, that 12-ounce can of Coke contains eight teaspoons from sugar. So you are, for men, you are dangerously close to your 37 grams just in that Coke. You don't get any more foods that contain sugar. So no ketchup, no salad dressing, no, you know, because most of those foods have some sugar in them. Right. For women, that puts you two teaspoons already over your max for the day. Man. So how about a like a Snickers bar? That's five grams um, in a Snickers bar. So, so the interesting that is, is five or sorry, fifty-seven grams in a Snickers bar. Sorry, fifty-seven grams in a Snickers bar. So what that means is you're at five point eight three teaspoons of sugar just in that one Snickers bar. Whew. So I think I think a lot of people understand sweets, right? They may not understand how much. So a candy bar usually around fifty to sixty grams. Um, pop we said is right around what was that eight tablespoons, which is putting you really close to the, like seventy grams or so. And I think most people are really like when when you think about. Um you know, but I don't eat sugar. Like when we have patients that'll come to us and they'll say, I don't eat sugar. Right. Um, they're talking about Snickers bars, candy, table sugar. They're, they're talking about the very obvious like flags. Sticking your tongue in the sugar bowl. Right. Sticking your tongue, like (laughs) dumping sugar on top of strawberries. I mean, I've heard people do that. I mean, I used to dump sugar when I was a kid. I, I used to wait till my mom and dad left the kitchen and went and did something else in the morning. And I was getting, they're listening to this, so I, they're going to love this. And I would wait till they would get out of the kitchen and go do something else before school. And I would very quickly run my cereal bowl over the counter, find the sugar bowl, open it up and just start heaping teaspoons of sugar onto my cereal. So much so that I would mix it and it, it, most of it would settle down in the bottom of the bowl and I would get like sugar flavored milk when I was done. But I remember doing that. I remember coming home from school and taking a uh, spoon and grabbing a spoonful of peanut butter and then rolling it in the sugar bowl and eating that. And so, I mean, I was addicted to sugar as a kid. So this comes from a, uh, I'm a, I'm a converted, a reformed uh, sugar yeah, addict. Yeah, reformed sugar addict. And I, but, but I know that's not what most people are doing. Like that was right. what I was doing when I was stupid and, and young and, and addicted to sugar. And I'll tell you, I was on the track to developing type 2 diabetes as a teenager. I passed out due to low blood sugar on two separate occasions. Once I was climbing a tree yep. and another time I was actually walking up the stairs. Um, my dad and I were defrosting a freezer downstairs and I got a little flush from the, the heat and started walking up the stairs and passed out backwards down the stairs. And that was in uh, looking back, it's because I was, pr- I was probably dangerously close to 
you know, getting on um, an insulin pump when I was younger. Yeah. And, and, you know, when we look at the stats that we talked about when we first um, opened up this show, there's 84 million Americans that are pre that have prediabetes that are prediabetic. So we're talking to a lot of people today, um, you know, that are in that same boat. And so, so you might not be eating candy bars, but maybe you're eating um, a yogurt and maybe you think yogurt's healthy, but most yogurts contain six teaspoons of sugar and that's 29 grams of sugar. So in a single, you know, single serving container of it. So for a woman, that's past your um, daily allowance of sugar. And and uh, I want another one, our kids. So we'll, we do some yogurt, but we're very careful. So here's the thing. So, you know, I like yogurt. That's fine. There are ones with 16, 20 grams of sugar, 25 grams of sugar, all the way down to two or three grams of sugar. Right. So just when you're shopping, you have to be looking at the labels. And right. You have to be, number one, look for how many grams of sugar. Number two, look for the serving size. Because it might be six, seven, eight grams of sugar, but what if the serving size is two servings? That's really, you know, uh, 12 to 20 16, grams right. of sugar or whatever it is. Um, cereal bars. That's another one we just don't do because they're yeah. usually chock full of sugar. Um, I think everyone knows like sodas and drinks, but here's some surprising ones. You ready? Uh, how about the breakfast of champions, Wheaties, right? I'm not talking about putting sugar on it like I used to, but Wheaties contains 3.8 teaspoons, 3.08 teaspoons of sugar. That's I mean, crazy. Three full teaspoons in a bowl, right? Yeah. And Banana honey- Nut Crunch, 3.55. How about uh, Honey Nut Cheerios, 6.67. That was a fan favorite of mine when yeah. I was a kid. Yeah. And then, you know, we, we I think you can expect Cocoa Pebbles to have a lot of sugar, right? Because yeah. it's a it's a sugary drink, but you're looking at or a cere- sugary cereal, but that's 7.26 teaspoons of sugar um, in a bowl of Cocoa Pebbles. So one of the things that we do with our kids is um, if you're looking to, and we talked a little bit about this uh, with last week's show, because we talked about kids' nutrition last week, and we yep. talked about how... Uh, with our kids, we don't do a lot of snack foods. We definitely don't do fruit roll-ups. We don't do any of that stuff just because of the amount of sugar that's in it. But we do keep some fruit on hand, especially berries. And we keep um, a lot of apples around and certain things. And we give our kids kind of free reign of those. But there are some fruits you got to be careful of, like uh, grapes. I know kids love grapes. Why do kids love grapes? Well, because out of all the fruits, they contain the most sugar. There's yeah. three teaspoons of sugar in you know, a serving of grapes. Uh, banana, about two and a half teaspoons versus you go down to like strawberries, 0.9, raspberries, 0.9. So um, why do we why do we let our kids eat lots of berries and things like Granny Smith apples that are more tight, but we uh, uh, tart, sorry, but we try to cut back on some of those higher. And it's not to say they never eat bananas. Like we have bananas yeah. around the house. Yeah, but yep, yep. That's not something that they have like free reign. They can grab anytime they want. That's right. more certain snack times. Um you know, if you're going to be eating fruit and you're you're an adult or you're a kid and you have your kid eating it, I would argue that, you know, earlier in the day is better because you're going to have the day to burn it off. But with kids, though, I wouldn't necessarily load them up on a bunch of stuff and then send them to school on sugar because that's going to be counterproductive to. <laughs> yeah, their teachers will thank you for not loading them up on sugar and then sending them off to school. Absolutely. So let's talk about this concept of what is added sugar, right? Like added sugar. You hear that term a lot, added sugar. And so when you look at a food and you see there's X amount of grams of sugar, like if you picked up, let's say an apple had a nutritional label, right? Mm-hmm. There's sugars that are naturally in that apple. Right. But there's also a lot of fiber there. Yep. And so the fiber slows down the, uh, the you know, insulin release and, and the absorption of that or the utilization of that sugar, spiking your blood sugar, et cetera. However, there are foods that... Um, 
they don't naturally contain sugar. They've been added to them. So you think of like bread. Bread by by nature doesn't doesn't need to have a lot of sugar in it, but companies add it in to make it more addictive and more palatable. Right. Um, ketchup, for instance, ketchup doesn't really need to have a lot of sugar in it. No. But they add tons of sugar into it to make it more addictive. Um, so, and they also know that if you if you're so the going back to that study we talked about a few minutes ago, you eat a lot of fructose, you're more hungry. You're bound to eat more when you're out to eat and you're out to restaurants. They love you eating ketchup because it contains a lot of fructose. They know you're going to be ordering more. They're gonna, yeah. They're, you're, you're either going to be going back to the grocery store and buying lots more of that ketchup or you're going to be ordering more food um, when you're sitting in a restaurant. And- so if you're looking at a food label, okay, yep. you're looking at a food label, sugar's added to food. Um, you look and you see, oh, it's got 20-something grams of sugar. How do you know if it's added sugar? Well, you go down and you start looking at the list of ingredients, and what are some of the things you want to be looking out for? Right. So added sugars could be beet sugar, brown sugar, buttered sugar, cane sugar. I feel like I'm about to shrimp, get... Shrimp, gumbo, <laughs> shrimp gumbo, <laughs> shrimp... Exactly. We're going we're going to go Forrest Gump style here, but um there's a whole list and you know what? We're going to we're going to share this whole list of added sugars um on our Facebook page. If you if you go on Facebook and you um search for Dr. Ryan, you Dr. Ryan Berlin, you will be able to find um we'll share some um pictures that'll that'll give you all this list of sugars, but date sugar, golden sugar, idea. um Evaporated cane juice is another form of sugar. Um, even the organic raw sugar. This is one of my favorite things. Um, <laughs> when when we have people that will, um, and I love this. I think this is sort of the gateway. And I think that we've struggled with this ourselves too, where we had to walk over this bridge. But just because it's organic sugar doesn't mean it's good sugar. Yeah. Right. Like organic cookies doesn't mean that they're good for you. Like no. they, they just, you know, they don't, they might not have the toxicity. Yeah, people get sucked load. into that trap of like, oh yeah, yes. you know, we're starting to eat organic and then I buy an organic Fruit Loops and right. organic right. this and organic that. And it's, right. it's like, it's still, it's still junk food. It's right. just right. not as poisonous of junk food. Yeah. Not as poisonous as junk food. Pesticides and stuff. Exactly. Um, syrup. So you want to be careful with syrup. So if some oh, if yes. syrups are on an ingredient like carob syrup, golden syrup, high fructose corn syrup, that's the big one. But even things like agave nectar, uh, maple syrup, like even though those are healthier versions of, you know, sugar ingredients, they're things that you just don't want it. You don't, there's not a need for a lot of it added to your food. Right. Um, you know, there, there's a hierarchy. You want to stay away from the highly processed ones like high fructose corn sh- syrup. And then you want to, you know, and, and just sugar in general. And then, then the hierarchy then would move towards probably something like uh, cane sugar and then towards brown sugar and then eventually towards something like, Maple syrup, like maple syrup, that right. would be a, a healthier sweetener, but it's right. still an addition of of um, sugar to that. Yeah, you know molasses, and but then some of the tricky ones are like crystalline fructose and dextrose and malt powder and ethyl maltol and um, fruit juice concentrate or galactose or glucose. People don't disaccharize maltodextrin. People don't realize that these are added forms of sugar. And so you're just getting that consumption. Agave nectar, for instance, is about 70 to 90% fructose and 30, 10 to 30% glucose. So it's just, it's literally only sugar. That's all it is. Yeah. And, you know, the interesting thing about this is it feels almost like we're always trying to get tricked by what the sugar is, right? And you almost have to learn Latin. You almost have to learn a dead language to be able to decipher what sugar is as an ingredient. So that's the sad part. So we'll tell you about some alternatives to use that are a little healthier so that you can stay away from not only sugar, but even worse, stay away from the artificial sweeteners too, because the research is showing those also spike 
um, glucose levels and insulin levels and set you up for even worse chances for diabetes, not less. So um, give us a call. We have uh, Emily or uh, Cindy standing by to answer calls. Um, if anybody's interested in checking out our office and scheduling an appointment and establishing a relationship with an office that's really looking out for your health altogether, chiropractic care plus nutrition, it's such a great combination. Give us a call at 513-755-3583. You're listening to Align Your Health on 55KRC, the talk station. Hey everybody, this is Reform Sugar Addict, Dr. Ryan Berlin, uh, coming at you on uh, Align Your Health on 55KRC, the talk station. We're just sharing sharing some stories and just kind of chuckling about, um, I know that this topic sometimes gets overwhelming when we start talking about sugar and how much is, like everyone knows, they know it's added to everything, but it, yeah. when it's added to everything, it's like, well, then what the heck do you eat? Because it's in everything. Right. And so we're going to try to simplify this for you. And I mean, the, the reality is when you guys don't know what to do, then do what you know to do. Like right. when you don't know, like, well, I don't know what to do because I'm kind of paralyzed by how much sugar is and everything. Then just go do what you know to do, which is like vegetables don't have lots of sugar. Right. You know, your clean animal meats don't have lots of sugar. Eating good fats and, and you know, having like avocados don't contain tons of sugar. So like start eating the things that you know to eat and largely try to avoid. You know, the average person during the holiday season, the average person gains five to 10 pounds during the holiday season. And then after the old holiday season, only is successful at losing 50% of it. Oh no. The cumulative effect of that is not good. So say on the low end, two and a half pounds a year. Yep. 10 years later, that's 22 pounds. 20 years later, it's 44 pounds. That doesn't sound that unrealistic when you think about it. Age 30, right? Age yep. 40, you're 22 pounds heavier. Yep. Age 50, you're 44 pounds heavier. I mean, that happens very frequently to people. Yep. And that's just from consumption during the holidays, which is where a lot of the sugar intake comes from, right? I mean, we called it the uh, the, the sugar uh, addiction, you know, season, not necessarily the... Um, not necessarily the cold and flu season or the you know the season of seasonal affective disorder, but it's really a, a sugar problem. Yeah, and, and if, how problematic is it that as soon as the weather starts getting cold, we go right to sugar loading at Halloween? Yeah, I mean that. It's kind of weird, isn't it? It's yeah, like it's, we should almost do it the other way. It would be like summer's coming and, and our immune system's going to be thriving a little better. We can get away with a little more, but we do right. the exact opposite. Right, and then we look at. And then, and then, and then, and then it's like, do you, you know, like everyone's pushing to get a flu shot. Right. Right. Like when the, that, that's not the like problem. It's not that I have a to, lack of a, yep. the, the flu virus and a bunch of other chemicals in my bloodstream. It's like, I'm off the rails during these four yes. months and the sun's not out and the weather's colder and like all this whole yep. system. I'm not up. getting the vitamin D naturally that I usually get. It's, it's almost like we're saying things are about to get bad. Let's just make it horrible. <laughs> <laughs> like let, let's, let's lean do what in, we can. Let's lean into the curve. <laughs> let's lean into it and let's just make it horrible with all the junk food. So, so yeah. So I like what you're saying with balancing the sugar with food. I think that God um, had a perfect plan when he wrapped a lot of the, you know, natural sugars with a lot of fiber and a lot of, you know, like, like he packaged things perfectly and just acknowledging that, that, um, that, you know, there's, there's vegetables, there's fats, there's different fruits that you can eat that, that, you know, are packaged really well. Yeah. Your greens, and your veggies are never going to be a problem. I mean, and, and the thing is the more of those you're eating, the more it's going to offset the ill effects of when you do eat some sugar. So if say you're going to the holidays, I think one of the big plans is plan it out, decide how much before you get to the party, decide how much sugar you're going to have, you know, decide 
Are you gonna you gonna have one slice of cake or are you gonna go back for the third or fourth <laughs> one? Are you gonna you like just and have I, a plan going into it and create some accountability? Yeah. We talk about this. We talk about accountability a lot, and we also talk about you know I've I've had the last meal syndrome before where I <laughs> every meal where every is like meal, the last supper. Yeah, it's like the last supper, and it's like this is the last time I'm ever going to get to like eat all the pasta apostles or, are sitting or, yeah, there with you. Yeah, exactly. Or this is the last time that I'm gonna get to have dessert, or this is the last like so that's the. Female conundrum is that yep. you guys are always dieting, and because you're always dieting, every meal feels like, well, just this one. Well, and just then this time, I'm gonna, I'm gonna yep, kick it into yep, gear. But tomorrow, it's gonna be incredible. So you start <laughs> like eating substantially yep. worse at every single meal. Yes, because your plan is that you're gonna eat better at every next meal. At every every next meal, it's gonna get better. And so I think the yeah, beautiful guys don't thing- do that as much. <laughs> Like if we're no, eating, <laughs> like most guys, and I can't speak on behalf of all guys, but like most guys are like, yeah, I shouldn't be eating this right now, but I'm gonna, <laughs> but and then I'm, I'm probably gonna do that tomorrow. Or when they're like trying to get in shape, they're like, yeah, I'm just not gonna eat any of that. Like yeah. we don't have that back and forth that women have. No, no, way. we definitely have that. But I'm gonna be honest, like I, I think that I love what you're saying, where where you don't have to think about every meal as the last meal or your last opportunity dessert or your last, you know, like whatever that is, the last holiday party that you're gonna be at. Um, I think really like having a game plan going into it and knowing this week, here's what my week looks like. And I know on Friday night, we're going to this holiday party and on Saturday we're doing this yeah. event and you know, whatever it is and, and, and just choose choosing your battles. And you know what the, the crazy thing about that is, is that, um, going into those things, like I have, there's been a number of times where I've thought about that beforehand and thought, you know, tonight's the night where I'm going to splurge, I'm going to get a dessert. And by the time I get there, things yeah, are going yeah, so well yeah. and I feel so awesome that I'm like, I don't even feel like eating that. Like, I don't, I, I'm not interested. Well, that's because you probably were, you probably, so here's the thing, and this is an interesting thing is that, so, all right, when you ate more sugar, the research says that it caused you to be more hungry, more hungry. and less yep. hormones that suppress hunger. Mm-hmm. And you particularly crave more sugar, more mm-hmm. glucose or fructose. Well, the opposite is if you're eating really good fats, like there's some research that says like an avocado or uh, a, a tablespoon or two of, of uh, olive oil will actually decrease your cravings in sugar. So you're going into the meal and you're like, oh, I'm going to have dessert tonight. And then you eat pretty clean. It's actually suppressing a lot of those cravings. So then when it rolls around, you look at the dessert menu and you're like, yeah, like, right. let's be honest, if something chocolate was on there, you'd but, probably go after it, but <laughs> maybe, maybe, <laughs> but sometimes you can take it or leave it. And then the night, and then the times when you take it, like, enjoy it and don't feel guilty about yeah. it. You know, I think enjoy that's it the biggest thing. Enjoy it, move on and, and don't get caught up in that. I don't know. It's just such a trap is what it is. Uh, so here's some so so some tips. These are good ones. We talked about having a plan, creating some accountability, talking to your right. spouse. Like you and I do this a lot. We talk about things that probably a lot of people don't talk about going into it. Right. Um, you're like, hey, we're gonna go over here. Let's make sure like we're eating with so and so, and we know and like you're not. If you're listening, we're not. You're, there is no so and so. So if you're like one of our friends or neighbors, but like we're going, hey, we're going here, and we know that these kids are allowed to eat this, and our kids aren't. So what are we going to do? And we talk yeah. about it with the kids in the car. You and I do this type of well, stuff. I remember we went to a pizza party where everybody's making pizza, and we brought some sprouted spelt you know, flatbreads instead of using the pizza dough that we knew everybody was going to be using there. So, I mean, there's been Which our kids love. Which our kids loved and it was a great experience and we had a ton of fun and we still ate pizza with everybody. Yeah. And so... Um, yeah. Or we're going to a restaurant and it's like, hey guys, you know, kids, like so-and-so, they might be ordering chicken tenders or they might be ordering uh, whatever, but we're going to get... 
you know, piece of grilled chicken and, and some veggies. Right. And if right. you guys do that well, then you can have popcorn at the movie later or whatever. Right. Um, but just having, so number one, having a plan and creating some accountability. Talk to your spouse, talk to whoever you're going to a party with, make a plan for it. Um, so eating eating healthier foods helps to curb some of those uh, some of those cravings. But how about this one? This sounds like advice my dad would give. <laughs> you ready, Dad? I'm hungry. Go outside. Go for a walk. <laughs> like, no, I didn't say I was. I wanted to exercise. I said I was hungry. But but there's some truth behind that. The National uh, Institutes of Health. There's tons of studies. Healthline.com uh, had an article on. Um, the 10 benefits of exercise, they said, exercise release, uh, it releases the endorphins and those are those feel-good chemicals and they actually compete with the same part of your brain. <laughs> it's called That's the, so funny. It's called the, the satiety center or, you know, it deals with satiety, the satiety centers in our brain. Um that they, the, the same uh, area that's affected by those endorphins is also where hunger is controlled. Um, yeah, we're, we're, we're Facebook, we're Facebooking this at the same time. So if you guys are listening, you could also be watching if you want on Facebook, just not if you're driving, but Ashley oh hasn't stopped laughing. So that's <laughs> it's, so it's so, so true. funny when you think about a parent. Cause my dad used to say things like, um, and my dad's listening right now. So my dad used to say things like, you know, you're not bored, you're boring mm-hmm. or stuff like that. But I could just see him saying things like, <laughs> Dad, I'm hungry. Go out. Go for a walk. Go for a walk. Like, no, but it's true. It'll release those endorphins. <laughs> it's, it's so it's good. So, true. so what else? All right. So o- avoiding the artificial sweeteners. So this may be, hopefully you guys are onto this because this, you know, this is for the last 10 years, I think this has been getting, you know, the press it deserves as far as how bad artificial sweeteners are. But let's just assume that you haven't heard that. And this, and you're like, wait a minute, I was trying to avoid the sugar, and now you're telling me the artificial sweeteners. But those artificial sweeteners have been actually proven to trigger more cravings than sugar does. They can actually increase your blood sugar larger than um, even sugar does because it's not necessarily dependent on the sugar being present in your system, but your body's reaction to the sensations that you have, that you, your brain thinks you're getting sugar because of the flavors, so it actually still releases the insulin the same way. And there, I mean, literally everything that sugar does, artificial sweeteners do it worse, and then they have their added toxicity, usually some form of a chemical that you wouldn't want to be consuming. For instance, sucralose, which is an artificial sweetener, is sucrose with an added chlorine molecule. That doesn't sound good. And chlorine's pretty toxic to us. Right. Um, Aspartame. Aspartame was literally invented to be a insecticide. It just happened to taste sweet and was zero calories. So now it's a artificial sweetener that will also kill bugs for you. That will also kill. Oh my gosh. So literally you have to heal once from the consumption of sugar and all the things that the sugar does to you. And then you're also going to have to heal from the toxicity that that chemical is laying on your body. And that is the atrocious thing about artificial sweeteners. And if you're really having a sugar craving and you're wanting to curb that, especially, you know, the ladies tend to like chocolate. That's I like chocolate too, honestly. Um, but dark chocolate, getting that 70% cocoa dark chocolate, um, having a little piece of that can really uh, uh, offset those cravings. And then the nice, nice thing about it is actually a fairly healthy plant because the polyphenols in dark chocolate um, are actually really, really uh, good for you. There's a lot of good antioxidants in it as well. That's awesome. So score one for the good guys with, you know, being able to eat some dark chocolate if there's some sort of craving that you're having, that 70% or more. That's awesome. All right. 
Um, goals going on the holidays. So what are some things, what are some things, holiday uh, plans? Another one is bring your own dessert. I like that one. So make a dessert that is cleaner. Or what we talked about um, on the break, and we, we were talking about, you know, bringing this up during the thing, um, during our segment. We have friends who own a business, right? And it's Paleo Primal Sweets. I think they're up in Mason. And um, they make a great alternative dessert to anything that's, you know, heavily sugar laden. They make paleo desserts. They're sweetened with things like molasses and coconut sugar. And, yeah, so they um, still contain sugar, but at least they're much more natural forms and right. typically sugars that don't spike your um, your uh, insulin release and uh, quite as fast. Um, yeah, Paleo Primal Sweets. Check them out on Facebook. I believe their website uh, has a lot of pictures of their products. They're amazing. They have, uh, I mean, they have a chip cookie that is to die for, and they'll make a chocolate chip cookie cake they've done yes, for our kids' birthdays. Yes, we've done for our kids' for our birthday, yep. And they do, um, they do an amazing donut if you're ever up near Cavu Coffee in Westchester. Um, I know they do the donuts up there at Cavu Coffee. They're amazing. But those are those are just healthier options. Again, this isn't something you want to have for breakfast. Like, yeah, you, know, right. you don't want to be um, necessarily having a, a donut for breakfast. Or, but if you're going to the holidays, you're ordering some sweets, you're going to bring them somewhere. Uh, our website's a really good resource, too. Go to uh, alignhealthcenter.com, and there is an entire section under patient resources that is um, – an entire section that's all recipes. So start using our Max Living recipes. Yep. And they're amazing. And none of them have added sugar to them. They use sweeteners that are not artificial sweeteners, but they use things like stevia, some xylitol, um, which is a sugar alcohol. And your body doesn't break it down the same way as it does sugar. So um, it doesn't create that same insulin release. Uh, other strategies, you know, you know, bring your own dessert. Don't go, don't go to an event really overly hungry. Eat something healthy before you go. Right. Uh, bring, bring your own dessert. Uh, engaging in, um, you know, just what you're doing and engaging more what you're there for. You ever go to a party and you're completely bored? <laughs> and what do you end up doing? Eating. <laughs> yeah, eating or drinking too much typically. So, right. um, so don't go to parties that that are terrible. No, I'm just joking. Um, <laughs> find more interesting friends. No, but engaging actually in what yep. you're doing there. Get get into a good conversation. Do something. These are just tips to to keep um, keep you. You know, how about the buffet line, like the dreaded Ooh. buffet or the dreaded um, potluck? Yeah. Or you know, everyone brings something, and those usually there's an excessive amount of food, and usually there's an excessive amount of junk. Right. Like junk food. Right. And so. If you're going to go through like the potluck uh, line, so to speak, then again, this is something going into it ahead of time and, and kind of making some rules for yourself. This sounds like child's play, but in reality, if you think about it, like allowing yourself one plate right? or, you know, like I'm going to make one trip through and I'm going to load my and, and always start off. What I always do is load, load the plate up with all the good stuff. Try to try to get a lot of it on there. Stuff you like, you enjoy, but it's also healthy. Load the plate up and leave less room for the junk. Right, like, right. People are always commenting on my plates when we go places. Like when we go to you know a wedding or go to somewhere like that. They're like, whoa. And but that's because I I purposefully load it up with the stuff that I want to be consuming, and I and I try to leave less room for the other stuff. So I'll have like a huge salad, maybe the protein on there. And you know me, I love protein, so I might stack yeah. some extra of that on and then yep. get some green beans or whatever. But by the time I'm done, there's not a lot of room for all the junk, and that's intentional. And and it's become habit, and now I don't really want it. Right. But it didn't start off that way. No, no. It all. It, yeah. It, it never starts off as like the habit that you're doing. It's always, you know, you have to put the intention behind it. 
Yeah, so um, when we return, we're going to talk a little bit more about what things to be looking out for, what to be consuming. But then we're going to talk about, all right, so we're going in this time of year. How do we set ourselves up for health? You're listening to Align Your Health on 55KRC, the talk station. Hey everybody, this is Dr. Ryan Berlin, 55KRC, the talk station. I want to give you our phone number because this um, next few minutes, this is where you're going to want to have that. It's 513-755-3583, and that's uh, Align Health Center, Align Chiropractic. And um, again, I'm going to repeat that number just so you guys have this. It's 513-755-3583. And what Ashley and I are going to talk about next is we were just talking about how, okay, you get it, don't eat sugar. You know, it's the holidays. I'm going to try not to overconsume. And I really have a plan for this year. You know, and that's the thing. I think looking at the holidays as, wow, so all right, we didn't hit on this, but I'm going to touch on this for a second. If the average person's gaining five to 10 pounds during the holiday season, okay, and they only lose half of it, so meaning five pound weight gain, they end up losing two and a half pounds of it. Just by simply going in the holiday season with a plan and not gaining weight, you're already two and a half pounds ahead. Yep. Every year. Yep. Right? Better yet, if you could go into the holiday season and say, you know what, I'm going to do really well and I'm going to focus my efforts and I'm going to eat really clean and I'm going to allow myself some dessert here and there, but I'm going to work out really hard this holiday season. I'm going to do this. If you could lose two and a half pounds. Oh my gosh. Now it's a five pound swing. And if you could do that annually, we talked about after 10 years, you're down 22 pounds. Yep. Right? Yep. 30 to 40, you're down 22 pounds. 40 to 50, you're down 44 pounds. Like, why not use the season to your benefit and say, I am going to have some of this, but I'm going to use this every year as a as a, uh, a trigger for me mentally to this is my season to, to buckle, you know, button down a little, uh, buckle down. I'm trying to say buckle down and button it up a little bit at the same time. <laughs> at the same time. <laughs> all right. So, all right. So, so, so you have that plan set. You're going to avoid sugar throughout the holiday season, but here's the thing. And if you if you if this is your first time listening to us, you haven't heard this, but everyone else has, is that chiropractic care is all about your brain and your nervous system control everything. So your nervous system controls every organ in your body, okay? And you have this area called your hypothalamus that's literally responsible for not only all the processes of incoming information coming into the body, but controlling all your organs, all your cells to make sure that your body's maintaining health and homeostasis. That's out of the thalamic neuron theory, which is a a medical hypothesis on how our nervous system actually works. So we have this area in our brain called the limbic area, okay? That's the area that maintains homeostasis. And a part of our brain called the hypothalamus is perhaps the most important part of that system. So here's the interesting thing is that not only does the hypothalamus control homeostasis and meaning keeping your body in a state of balance by way of these feedback loops that it's like constantly getting. Some of you guys have felt like you're in this at times where you can't break a cycle. You're caught in a feedback loop. Yes. So it's combining this neurological and endocrine responses, and this plays a prominent role in the regulation of especially our metabolism. That area of the body has nuclei that control how well we sleep, how our immune system functions, our cravings, and our hormones. And so when there's stress or damage on that area of our nervous system, how well do you think our immune system, our hormones, our cravings, and our sleep are all functioning? Not well. Right? What is the holiday season known for other than sugar? 
stress. Stress. And yes. when we're under stress, there's research that yes. says that it puts additional stress onto our nervous system. Yep. So to achieve the task of maintaining metabolic balance, our hypothalamus must be in a state of being able to receive and exchange information as needed up and down our brainstem. Tell us a little bit about the hypothalamus. Oh my gosh. So it receives millions of nerve messages and they come from complex areas of the rest of the nervous system. Um, and, and, they're really they're coming through there and they're and they're filtering out to all sorts of places. So right? the, yeah, and the imp, and that input allows the hypothalamus then to regulate things like we talked about: heart rate, blood pressure, respiratory rate, digestion, behavior, sex drive, body temperature, appetite, sleep cycles. So this is like all the stuff that gets jacked up in the holiday season, right? Right. Like all those things. So these nerve signals are going up and down the brainstem. And the effectiveness of this area to be able to control and regulate all those things, especially during a season where we're under a lot of stress, well, there's problems that can arise that we can actually develop. How many of you guys sit in front of a computer every single day with your head forward, kind of hunched over, and you know your posture is not good? In fact, you might be looking in the mirror and starting to see it change over the last five or 10 years. Right. Well, that's actually your spine starting to deteriorate and get into a position like your spine is actually starting to lose some of its healthy curvatures and it's starting to kind of malform. And I always say that if people's spines, if they warm on their face, everyone would take care of them, right? Like it's like true. like your teeth, like nobody right. likes having a mess full of teeth in their mouth. Right, like right. everyone wants healthy teeth, but those are just teeth. They don't do anything for your health. If we could see what our spines looked like, if we right. wore them on our face, then we would all take care of them. But most people don't understand that when there are problems with your spine, that problems with your spine actually disrupt the normal flow of nerve signals going up and down your spinal cord. And they literally problems in your spine. And you may not even know you feel these like you're like you're married to me. You know what I'm talking about? You've yep. seen messed up spines on x-ray of people who right. weren't having pain. Oh yeah. That were asymptomatic. Yeah. Yeah. That weren't having pain or yeah. Were asymptomatic in terms of they weren't actually feeling pain. Yeah. Neck pain, um, headaches, et cetera. Right. But what they don't know, those people that are even asymptomatic or maybe they've had a car accident in the past, but they never had their spine evaluated. They don't realize that those nerve signals are literally controlling not just their thyroid and not just, you know, their, their um, eyes, ears, nose, and but those nerve signals are controlling their cravings. Those nerve signals are controlling their immune function. Those nerve signals are controlling their metabolism. Yes. This is so good. So they're, they're every day, bad posture, sitting behind a computer. They've been in a car accident. Um, maybe, maybe they sit every day with a wallet under their left butt cheek and they're developing these, these issues in their spine that they don't realize are starting to create stress and, and damage in the nerve system. But every one of those small injuries that's occurring in the spine is starting to create damage down those peripheral nerves that go out to organs and then also damage the signals going back that are regulating all those other things we talked about, like cravings and satiety and hunger and hormones and metabolism. Here, get this, a study of 46 insulin-dependent patients. So these are diabetic patients who are on insulin. They had no indication of neurological pain. They're not in pain. They were compared with 46 age-match control subjects. So you have control subjects no insulin. You have people on insulin uh, that are insulin dependent with diabetes. Spinal somatosensory evoked potentials are recorded from various segments of the spine. So they're measuring how well the nervous system is working. And the study revealed that patients with juvenile diabetes without clinical evidence of neuropathy 
have defects in the way that their nervous system is transmitting. So there's a reason why they develop diabetes. And what there's that means- There's a reason why they develop diabetes. Yep. It was stress already on their nervous system and it is damaging the signals as they're going to their pancreas, as they're going back up into their brainstem. And they don't realize that their diabetes is related to spinal problems that they may not know about for 10 years from now. There was an oral glucose tolerance test performed on 200 subjects with spinal cord trauma. What they showed was that the study concluded that patients with the greatest levels of neurological damage had the worst risk of developing disorders with their metabolism. Whoa, I've been in four car accidents. What that means is if I wasn't under chiropractic care, all that spinal trauma puts me at a predisposed risk to developing increased risk of disorders with my metabolism. Wow. The study was called the effect of residual neurological deficit on oral glucose tolerance. There's another case study published in the Journal of Pediatric and Maternal Family Health that documented a case of a four-year-old child who had uh, results in stabilizing blood sugar through chiropractic care. How does that happen? Well, even in kids, they can have misalignments in their spine just like we can. Actually, most of us, most of our misalignments in our spine go all the way back to birth, even in, our, even in adults. If 80% of children who are checked at birth have misalignments in their spine at birth, that means 80% or, or more of adults who've never been to a chiropractor have been walking around with misalignments in their spine for most of their life, and they don't realize that their allergies are as a, re a result of their spinal subluxations. They don't realize that their ear infections when they were a kid, and now they're you know, tonsil infections and their asthma and their allergy, and then as an adult, their depression, their yes. anxiety, their metabolism issues. You know, we told the story about our own Dr. Jacqueline, who we love. She's one of the doctors in our office, but she actually got off of her own thyroid medication by getting her own spine corrected. And this is a chiropractor who, who understood chiropractic, but didn't understand the power in her own body, even healing until she got her own spine corrected and her thyroid started to heal. And guess what happened as a result of it? She ends up losing 25 pounds or more. Actually, I think she's up to like 35 pounds. She looks fantastic because- As her, a result of getting healthy. As a result of getting her nervous system her healthy. nervous system healthy. Yeah, she got healthy, but not until she got her nervous system healthy. That's right. So. There is somebody out there right now whose mind is absolutely being blown. Because no one, most of us, and in fact, you know, until I met you, I had never seen a connection between the metabolism um, and chiropractic care. And to think that, you know, when we talk about how, um, you know, our average patient loses between, you know, 15 to 25 pounds um, when they get under chiropractic care, some people are thinking, is it because of all the other changes that you're introducing yeah, to so them? Yeah, so let me speak to that because we only have about a minute, you know, really before we wrap up. Right. But let me speak to that is this, that. My average patient loses 10 to 15 pounds. My average patient that I send to a nutritionist, the nutritionist says, wow, your patient does better than most of my other patients. Like they didn't have as much of the cravings. They were able to stick to the plan better. I send my patients to a neurofeedback specialist and the neurofeedback specialist says, your patients get better faster than any patients I've ever seen. I send my patients out for... Um, you know, like different modalities or different therapies or have them working with someone who does like, say, uh, homeopathy if they're not feeling well. And they're like, your patients respond faster than anyone. Yeah, because 
their nervous systems are healthy and their nervous systems regulate everything in their entire body. If you want to have a healthy body, you have to have a healthy nervous system. Right. And you can't have a healthy nervous system unless you're under really good chiropractic care. You just can't. It would be like saying you can't have healthy teeth without brushing them properly. So give us a call. We'd love to take care of you, and we just look forward to serving you guys throughout um, the holidays and thereafter. We want to see everyone healthier after the holidays. So give us a call at 513-755-3583. Until next week, you guys, have a wonderful week, and uh, we will be talking to you next week. You're listening to Align Your Health on 55KRC, the talk station.